Thanks for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We're located in Boise, Idaho, but wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you and empowers you to take a step towards living a life fully devoted to following Jesus. City Church. How's everybody doing this morning? It's a good morning. Come on, worship was so fire. Way to go, team. How many of you are excited for Christmas? I'm so excited. We're only a week away, which I cannot even believe, uh, but we're Christmas people in the Hairgrove household. I don't know about you, but Christmas is a big deal to us. We spend months planning and scheming how we're going to blow our kids away every year. Uh, because it's Landon's goal that this would be the best Christmas ever, but that's his goal every year. Uh, And so we've been planning and thinking, how can we surprise our kids this year? And about two months ago, or I think it was like a month into hunting season, my husband decided to go to Cabela's one day, which is nothing new, Uh, but he was there for like an hour. And so I started to get nervous, and so he gave me a call, and he said, hey, you know how I get those crazy ideas sometimes? I'm like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, uh, there's this guy selling a puppy. And I just, I really want to be super dad this year for Christmas. And I'm the logical one. I'm the one who, like, thinks through everything. And so I'm like, hang on. Hang on. This just happened. We need to think through this. Maybe I should meet the owner, make sure we're not buying, like, an illegal breed or buying a sick dog or buying into some scam I'm like, let's just, let's just wait. Let's just think for a minute. And he's like, well, eh, okay, maybe. Well, then an hour later, he gives me another call, and he's like, hey, where are you? I'm like, oh, we're just driving home from school. And he's like, oh, okay, awesome. Well, uh, the boys' Christmas present's in the living room. I'm like, oh, okay. And when they opened up that door, they were in complete shock at the cutest puppy ever. Uh, Alex, do we have a picture of our puppy dog? This is Obi, named after Obi-Wan Kenobi, because we like Star Wars. Uh, It was amazing, and I I was stunned for other reasons, but to see their faces filled with wonder was worth every penny. It was worth it all. Maybe you have a memory like that in your childhood where your parents came through like you, could, you couldn't even believe it. Or maybe you're planning something for your own kids this year like that. This moment where they're filled with wonder. But as an adult in this room, or if you're watching online this morning, I'd love to know when was the last time you were amazed? When was the last time that you were filled with wonder? As I've been pondering that question lately, I met with a more difficult question like, gosh, do I even have the capacity to wonder anymore? As an adult in the disillusionment of life and the pain and the hurt, do I still have the ability to be awestruck by God? I want to read to you the definition of wonder that we can find in a dictionary. It says it's a feeling of 
surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. Synonyms are awe, admiration, wonderment, fascination, surprise, astonishment, amazement. In the reality of everyday life, in my so leaning on my logic, do I still have the ability to be awestruck by a God who wants to be seen in every part of my life? I think in this season, we so often not only misunderstand the reason for the season, but I think we miss out on a lot of the wonder that God has in store for us. And so this morning, I just want to help wake us back up to the reality that God has a life of wonder planned for you. He's a God of wonders. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And so my goal is to inspire you to ask God to renew wonder again inside of your heart. So if you would turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 20, the Christmas story. And I'm excited for this because we get to reflect on the Christmas story all week long, not just on Christmas Eve. I'm going to be reading from the ESV this morning. It'll be on the screens for you as well. Verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Y'all still with me? Okay, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them would you pray with me father we come to you this morning ready we come ready to receive your word ready to hear what you have to say to us God I pray that you would soften hearts in this room that we would begin to believe the truth that the life in front of us is not all that there is but that you have mighty wonders and works to do in our lives, God. Would you speak? Would you move? Would you bless this time together? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, how many of you today are foodies? Are any of y'all foodies? I am a foodie. Okay, the whole church 
We're all foodies. We need to eat more food together. I am a foodie. I love to try new places. I love to try new things. I'll eat anything. You can ask my husband. But being a foodie has led me to some of the most unassuming, unexpected, and weird places. Because how many of you know that the best slice of New York pizza is not found in Times Square? It's not found under the LED walls and the lights. It's not the Sabaro on the corner. I'm sorry to say. The best slice of New York pizza is found in some corner of the city, in some hole in the wall. Jordan, am I right? He's from New York. The best slice of pizza is found in the most unassuming place you would never go except to find that wonderful food. Because oftentimes the most unassuming, awful looking places can be wonderful. And in a similar fashion, Christ shows up on the scene in the most unassuming way. In a small, unattractive city that no one is expecting. He's not born in a palace among servants, but he's born in a feeding trough among animals. This is far too humble of an entrance for a king, this humility, this meekness. But isn't that what makes him our God? If we think back on scripture of all the moments throughout the Bible that God does wonders, we stand amazed. We're amazed at the creation story. We're amazed at the flood. We're amazed at how God delivers his people by splitting the Red Sea. How he provides for the Israelites through a cloud by day, a tunnel of fire by night, manna from heaven. How he moves and works in the life of David. And then, rather than sending another miracle, he sends the miracle of all miracles, the wonder of wonders. He sends himself. Jesus. Jesus meets humanity in a town called Bethlehem, an unassuming city where thousands are coming to be registered. People weren't expecting for God to do anything incredible in this city. It's crowded. There's no room. There's no grand reception for Jesus's arrival. There's no party. The people around are in total disregard for the story that's unfolding right before their eyes. And I think we could look at them and say, what are you doing? Look at what you're missing. But I think we do this more often than we like to admit in our own lives. I think we miss God moving so often in our everyday. We miss him moving in our marriages. We miss him moving in our family, in our kids. We miss him moving in the drive-through line, at school pickup. We miss him moving in our church sometimes because we're so busy, we're so fixated on our lives right now in this moment that we're missing out on the wonders that God is doing, on the miracles he's doing. I think it's easy to point the finger, but we do this all the time. We can so often live in total disregard for what he's doing because the opposite of wonder is actually disregard. And so I ask you this morning, are you paying attention? Because God will show up anywhere, anytime, in the most unlikely of places. King back in on the place that Jesus was born for a moment, Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem, it, it comes from two different words that means the house of bread. Another fun fact about Bethlehem is 
It's the city where David was from. He's a shepherd boy who's anointed to be a great king of Israel. It was also known for its abundant water supply, and so some of the earliest reservoirs were built there. And so, in the house of bread, the bread of life comes to serve all humanity. And in an abundance of water, the living water arrives. John 6, 35 says, Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In a forgotten town, the most unforgettable news has arrived that there's a kingdom that is here that is without end. What a wonder. So this morning, I have to ask you, have you lost your wonder? Have you lost your belief that God could surprise you, that he could make something ugly and turn it beautiful, that he could take brokenness and bring wholeness and life to it? That he could take your mess and make it your message. That he could take your dysfunction and turn it into your testimony. Do you believe that this morning? Have I forgotten that he chooses to reveal his wonder whenever he wants to, to whoever he wants to? I try not forget, to forget that, but I think as humans we often do, and even when he does move, we're surprised and we're asking, why now? Why here? You know, a few weeks ago, I met my Thursday morning small group down in Garden City. We've been meeting every uh, Thursday, all semester long. Shout out to small groups. You need to join one at the beginning of the year because uh, it's been amazing. We have a great time. We get coffee. We walk for about a mile. And then when we come back, we stand in a circle. We all pray together over all the prayer requests that we have that week. And so a few weeks ago, it was like any other Thursday. We had good coffee, we did our fun walk, we came back, and as we were circled up together, we began to share our prayer requests. And there was a sweet lady, a sweet friend of ours in the group who was sharing her prayer request, and she explained that she had recently had a double knee injury and had excruciating pain because of it. She was nervous to go on the walk that morning because of the knee injury. And she explained that she was on medicine, that she had scheduled an MRI, and uh, was just asking for some prayer. And in that moment, my first thought was, awesome, she scheduled an MRI. That's awesome, she'll figure out what's wrong with her knees. And, and listen, I have faith. I have witnessed miracles myself. I've witnessed miracles for other people. But in this particular circumstance, there's a lot going on. We're standing in a gravel parking lot. It's basically a construction zone. We're trying to avoid cars as we're praying. I'm trying to make sure none of our babies in our strollers get snatched as we're closing our eyes. Dogs are barking. There's a lot going on. But still, in the chaos, we pray. We make room for a miracle. We pray for every prayer request in that circle, and then we go our separate ways. And a few days later, I get a text from my friend and she says, praise report, in all caps. After we prayed, as I got into my car, I realized both of my knees were completely healed. No more MRI, no more medicine. Praise our God, come on. Come on, we can celebrate that. Whether it's in Bethlehem or in a dusty gravel parking lot, 
or a wedding at Cana or a pool of water or in a hospital room or in a church service. God gets to choose what place he makes wonderful. Are you making room in your life for a miracle? Number two, there is wonder in the people. If you're taking notes, the first point was there's wonder in the place. Number two, there is wonder in the people. I want to look at another miracle that's often skipped over in the Christmas story, specifically in this chapter of Luke, which is the shepherds themselves. When we think of shepherds, we probably think of a respectable man that has ownership over a flock, or maybe we think of a little boy in a nativity play. But in antiquity, shepherds were looked down upon. Shepherds were basically homeless. They were illiterate. They weren't allowed in ceremonial worship gatherings. They weren't even allowed in legal court cases because they, they would often bear a false witness. They were known as thieves. They were uninvited. They were smelly. They were this group of outliers that nobody wanted around. And our sovereign God says, hmm, let me see who I'll choose to be in every nativity play for the rest of time. Let me see what people group I'll choose to reveal my incarnation, God made flesh to the world first outside of Mary and Joseph. I'll choose a group of people that no one would vote for. I'll choose shepherds. You see, Luke, the author of this book, he's a, he's a non-Jew, a Gentile believer, and he's making it so clear in this passage that this is an all-access event. Jesus didn't just show himself to the rich or to the famous. He didn't show himself first to the elite, but to the lowly. Aren't you so grateful for the inclusivity of the gospel? He didn't reveal himself first to the best and the brightest or the rich and the famous. He says, I'll take the bottom of the pile. I'll take shepherds. And the shepherds are the ones that will reveal the incarnation to a watching world. God didn't just become man, he became man and was born into a feeding trough at a time in history where they didn't even have electricity. He wasn't born into a time where they had HVAC and Wi-Fi. He wasn't born in a king room at the Four Seasons. He could have been, but he was born over 2,000 years ago in a city called Bethlehem among animals with no royal entrance. In verse 18, scripture says that all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The word wonder there comes from the Greek word thavmazo, and it means to be amazed. When the shepherds told the story, people were amazed not just at the story itself, but by the people that were sharing the story. And I think often we can lose our wonder because we disqualify ourselves from the story that God's writing. We disqualify ourselves from the grand story that Christ is dwelling among us and he's moving and working for the redemption of his people. I know that I've had seasons of pain in my own life where I've disqualified myself from the story, where I've lost my wonder. We've had seasons in ministry that were extremely painful, seasons of confusion, of disillusionment, of questioning our calling, 
questioning if God was done with us, questioning if we'd see him move again. And so when he called us to plant a church, I said, how? God, how is anyone even gonna know about it? How are we gonna raise any funds to do it? How do we know that you're with us? Will you be with us? And also God, why us? And even in my lack of wonder and my doubt, I still said, God, if this is you, let it be done. And then miracle after miracle snowballed into an avalanche and I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me over and over and over again, it's time to raise your expectation. It's time to raise your standard. It's time to renew your wonder. And so we begin embarking on this journey to plant a church and I'm thinking, okay, middle school cafeteria, 45 people in attendance, a guy that we found on the side of the road who's playing for tips with a half-decent voice to lead us into the presence of God, a cajon maybe, a one-room kids ministry that has three kids in it at least because I have three kids. But God's a God of wonder. He's a wonder-working God who moves in the most unexpected ways to the most unlikely people. Thank God he wasn't thinking what I was thinking. He was thinking permanent building. 850 people on day one. An incredible team of people who are also following the call of God on their life to see Boise look like heaven. A booming kids ministry with over 150 kids who are taking their next steps in Jesus every Sunday. 100 plus baptisms in year one, 175 people serving on teams, making a difference in the lives of others. Miracles, signs, wonders, salvations, each and every Sunday. Come on, God is a God of wonder. Can we celebrate what he's done? It could only be done by our God. And so this morning, church, I ask you, is there room in your life for God? to work wonders. You see, I think that we think that God will go A, then B, then C, then D. When God actually goes A, then V, then L, and then a letter you've never seen before. (laughs) And that can lead us to one of two places. It can lead us to a place of frustration, or it can lead us to a place of wonder. So I ask you, do you have to have everything figured out in your life? Or is there room in your life for wonder? You get to decide. This is really the way that we were created to live. We were created to live fascinated by our God, amazed at his endless grace and mercy, overwhelmed at his character. Just think about it for a moment. Do you really want a God that you can completely figure out? Do you want a God that small? I know that I don't want a God that small. I want a God who calls the unqualified, who takes dead things and brings them back to life. I want a God who changes history at the brush of his hand. I want a God who would bring revival to the city of Boise over 2,000 years after he sends his son to the earth. I wanna see him change a city again. 
I want a God who chooses the looked over and the lowly and says through their testimony, the world will be changed. I want a God who is limitless in character, who is overwhelming in beauty and grace and majesty. I want a God who still blows me away decades after my journey of following him began. A God that is limitless, whose love never fails. You see, I think that we might be open to the great wonders of God, but I think often we miss him in all of the small miracles. Maybe you've been believing for a big miracle in your life and God hasn't sent it just yet because he's waiting for you to realize and be in awe of all of the small miracles he's giving you over and over and over again. A small miracle this morning for the Hairgrove household is that uh, my husband had the job of taking care of all three kids this morning as I prepared for this. And it just happened to be pajama day in Oasis Kids. So we are grateful for that small miracle this morning. Maybe for you, it's that your spouse started coming to church with you when you never believed that was possible in your marriage. Maybe for you, there was someone at your Thanksgiving table this year who hasn't been there in years. Maybe for you, you're three weeks sober and you haven't been able to do that before. Maybe for you, your bank account wasn't in the negative at the end of this last month. Whatever it might be, God wants you to revel in his goodness in the small miracles and the great ones. Number three, there's purpose in our wonder. Verse 18 says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. There was purpose in telling those shepherds. There was purpose in those who heard the testimony of the shepherds. There was purpose in their amazement at God. You see, God doesn't just reveal himself to us to make our hearts flutter, to give us goosebumps in worship. There's always a purpose. And God's ultimate purpose is to point us back to him, to glorify him, and to see the miracle of all miracles, which is the salvation of God. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You see, Christ was born so that he could die for you and me. He began his life being carried and rescued as an infant, but he ended it carrying our sins to the cross, rescuing us by taking our place. You see, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God and the wages that we owed were death, but God in his perfect plan sent Christ as a baby. He lived a sinless life and then he died the death that we deserved on the cross. He was buried for three days, but he rose after three days victorious over death, hell, sin, and the grave. And now he offers eternal life to all who would believe. Everyone's invited. Everyone has access. We don't yearn for Christmas Day to experience Emmanuel, God, with us. Come on, we're, we're Christmas people, 365, all year long, because God is with us and everyone's invited. 
That's really good news. But as I was just sharing that for a moment, I think some in the room, some of you may have tuned out just a little bit. Some of you, as I was sharing that, might have gone on autopilot for a moment. Maybe that's because you've heard the gospel before. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've grown accustomed to Christ's finished work on the cross. Or maybe for whatever reason, whether it be hurt, doubt, pain, or disregard, for whatever reason, you've grown cynical. And if you can't explain things cognitively, you don't believe it. Or maybe if it doesn't satisfy your gray matter, you brush right past it. I've had seasons of my life where I've let pain lose my wonder. I've, I've let myself grown, grew, grown cynical. I've had seasons where because I'm a logic first person, I've believed the lie that if I could just think through my problems, my hangups, my hurts, that I could avoid pain and emotion altogether. But in that avoidance, I also lost out on God working wonders in my life. I lost out on my ability to come to him as a child, which by the way, the Bible says is essential for entering the kingdom of heaven. So I ask you this morning, have you allowed cynicism to rob you from seeing God work in your life? He's a God of wonders. He wants to reveal himself and the issue is not what he can do or what he's willing to do often is what he's asking us to do. And this morning he's asking us to make room for a miracle, to wake up to the miracles he has for us. Romans 13, 11 says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. spending eternity in heaven with God is nearer now than when you first believed. And God is saying, it's time. It's time to live in honor and reverence, in fear and in awe of the one who created you. I urge you this morning to pay attention to what he is doing. And what he's doing right now in the room is speaking to some of you this morning who you're in the room and you know you're not right with God, but you want to be. And God is calling you. He's beckoning you to turn from your old ways, from your sin, and turn to him, to new life in him. Again, God loved you so much that he sent his son to die a death you deserved so that we could get what he deserved, which is life in him, a new life. It's a free gift of grace. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you this morning and you sense something in your heart, I want to encourage you that that's the Holy Spirit of God beckoning you to himself. And so with every head bowed and eye closed in the room, know that you're not right with God and you want to be, you want to turn away from your sin. You want to turn towards Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. You want to have a fresh start and a new life 
in him, then on the count of three, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? One, two, three. Awesome, hands all over the room, thank you. That's awesome. Church, would you pray this prayer all together with me? And there's nothing special or magical about this prayer. It's simply a heart declaration saying, Jesus, I choose to follow you today. You can repeat after me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I turn away from my sins and I turn towards you. Thank you for dying for me and for rising again so I could live. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me by your word. And help me to follow you every day from this day forward. Lord, take my life and do with it whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to pray for another group of you in the, in the room this morning. And that's those of you who, as I was speaking this morning there's something stirring in your heart where maybe you've realized you've grown cynical maybe you've realized that your heart has been hardened by the pain and the hurts of life maybe you've grown to doubt what God can do in your life maybe you've disqualified yourself from the story but I just want to pray for all of us so if you would pray with me again and if you would just place your hand over your heart this morning as we pray Father, we thank you for every opportunity that you give us to be renewed, to come to you fresh. God, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, you see every heart in this place. You see what we've been through. You've seen what we've experienced, God. But I pray that you would heal the areas of our hearts that have been calloused. And God, we repent for stepping away from you and what you want to do with our lives because in the disregard of you, God. I thank you for what your prophet said. He said, create in me a new heart, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me, God. We pray for clean hearts this morning, that you would heal, that you would speak, God, that we would begin to notice you and have an awareness for the miracles that you want to do in our lives. I pray that you would increase our faith, that we would be a people who is dependent on you, walking in your ways, aware of the wonders of everyday life. We love you and we want to honor you with our lives. We give you all the praise and the worship this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Oasis City Church podcast. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, pray for you, or give you next steps on your journey of following Jesus. Send us an email to info at oasiscity.church to get connected today.